Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. This episode and all episodes of the Big MX Radio Podcast are brought to you by Luxon MX. Amazing triple clamps. This company, Billy over there, he has fantastic people working with him. And he himself is a mechanical engineer who has put the engineering prowess of him and his team into every single product that they carry. You need to go to Luxon mx.com they have some of the most fantastic products for your bike that you're going to find when it comes to triple clamps uh, and they have the science behind the madness to really make your bike feel the way it needs to on race day or practicing also want to give a huge shout out to race tech chris raisenberg over at race tech has uh, allowed us to uh, offer a discount if you mention big mx radio over the phone or when during email when ordering stuff through Race tech, you're going to save some money, and uh, the plushness that a set of gold valves is going to bring to your bike is pretty much unmatched by anybody else. So, if you add those Luxon MX triple clamps and some race tech suspension, you're already going to be feeling pretty good about how your motocross day is going to be going on track or on the trail. Also, want to give a huge shout out to Epoxyit. Uh, Jesse over there at Epoxyit does a fantastic job with his stuff, and I can't say enough good things about his work. Every single time he posts something on social media, I'm absolutely blown away, and I think I'm going to have to get my dad uh, his garage set up with Epoxyit. Those guys just do amazing work. Also, uh, this podcast is brought to you by WSA, John Anderson, Kristen Anderson, they make the toughest wheel sets in America. Whether you're a privateer looking to uh, make sure that you can uh, go a little bit long on those triples and not worry about it, or if you're a weekend warrior like me who want to get a little bit extra mileage out of your used bike, um, WSA can build you something special that will uh, add some longevity to your bike, or maybe you have a vintage uh, project that you'd like to breathe some more life into, or uh, you, you don't really feel like you want to ride your vintage bike because um, the, the wheels just aren't as sturdy as they need to be. Well, you can change that by going with a set of WSA wheels. They do awesome stuff. Speaking of awesome products, uh, have I talked enough about Guts Racing? Andy Gregg, amazing product, amazing guy. Uh, get yourself everything you need as far as a seat from Guts Racing. Uh, they do amazing seat bases, seat foam, and the seat covers are next level. They're super durable, and I couldn't believe how much more grippy that seat cover was compared to uh, the one that comes stock on my KTM. It was a huge upgrade on the seat compartment, and uh, they can do all kinds of colors as well. Huge shout out to uh, Fox Racing Canada. You know the drill. Go to the website, memorize the catalog, then head to your local dealer like Maple Ridge Motorsports and go check out everything they have to offer, whether it's uh, motocross gear, casual, on track, off the track, in the pits. You'll be looking good as long as you're wearing Fox. And last but not least, give a huge shout out to Jason Gerald over at Phoenix Handlebars. Guys, an absolute gem and has been supporting the show for a number of years now. So support them and you can also save big money, 15% off every single purchase with Big MX Radio. Uh, I believe that's Big MX Radio 15 at checkout. Also, if you mention Big MX Radio with WSA, you're going to save some money there. So... That's, an, that's one minute and 37 seconds of promoting some of my awesome sponsors who love this show, and they would love to have you guys support them for supporting Big MX Radio, so I hope you go ahead and do so. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, yeah, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, this being the Supercross pregame show. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and with me on the line from Racetech, we have... 
the guy you cannot reason with, Chris Riesenberg. Chris, how's it going? Uh, doing pretty fantastic. A little bit of a ca- crazy, chaotic week, I guess. With we had a crazy Anaheim one, then we don't have an Oakland, and then we hear a bunch of guys are going arena crossing, which is pretty sweet. Gives us a ton of things to talk about, and honestly, I am just like a full tail wag champing at the bit, hands rubbing together to be able to wax intellectually about Supercross and Arena Cross from a guy who stood at the top of the podium at a lot of both of those events. He he uh, he leaves without a trace. He came here tonight to probably get on my case. He is the 1990 East Coast 125 Supercross champion. Denny Stevenson. Denny, how's it going? Very good, gentlemen. Thanks for having me again. Um, I'm enjoying our shows. I was a little concerned when Oakland got canceled what we would talk what we would talk about, but let's be honest. I, I don't think we need too many subjects to, to cover. I think we can cover everything, and uh, we've always got something to talk about. So yeah, Oakland canceled. Ton of mud. Great A one. Possible big show in Arena Cross in Arizona this uh, this weekend. So let's get at it. Absolutely. No, I'm excited about it. Thanks to Race Tech for helping put this thing together, as well as MXD360.com. If you haven't already signed up, do it. Set your lineup. It's not easy to do. I did not do well the first time out, but uh, I'm learning as we go. Um, yeah, we're losing, learning through failure. Uh, but uh, let's start things off with the Race Tech recap, rapid recap, with none other than Checkers Go. Absolutely. I just want to remind everyone that Race Tech Gold Valves provide a plush feel with drastically improved bottoming resistance and increased traction. Plus, they're 100% guaranteed and made right here in the USA. So please go support them. Use the code BIGMXRADIO to save yourself some money and keep me in a job, please. I'd appreciate it. Now let's look back at Anaheim 1. Um, a lot of crazy action, a lot of storylines. So we saw Eli Tomac crash, gets up and wins on the 2023 YZ450. No growing pains there. He finally wins Anaheim 1. He's never won that race before. Jet Lawrence does Jet, cruises to victory, crushes the 250 class. Cooper Webb, for the second year in a row, places second. Is he for real, though? Is this for real, or is it like last year and it's a fake second place? Chase Sexton backs up his third, backs up a third-place finish with a really good ride, but he went backwards. He went from first to third, got passed by Cooper Webb late. Mookie caught the fever, the crash fever, that is. He also came through and led the race at one point before it had a huge get-off. And then, of course, one of the biggest stories, the biggest letdown maybe for Anaheim 1, Austin Forkner off the start, doesn't even get to turn one. He's cartwheeling down the straightaway, out for the Supercross season with a torn-up knee. Debo, what do you got? What do you think? Well, you crushed all those very well. Um, we've talked about it a lot already. <clears throat> Obviously, Eli Tomac gets his first win at Anaheim, 1-10. Um, seeing him on the podium was about as happy as anybody would have thought he won the championship, that smile on his face. And also a crazy stat, uh, no one has won the, the Anaheim winner has not won the championship in 11 years. So is Tomac the guy to go back to back and break that record of 11, uh, 11 straight races without a champion, uh, from Anaheim. I think, yes, I think Tomac's going to keep this ball rolling. Um, Jet, wow. He did not look good early in the day. It, uh, his practice was not great. His heat race, he pretty much got waxed by RJ. He was making a lot of mistakes. I wasn't sure what he would do in the main event. I thought he might just kind of just ride within his comfort zone because you could tell the track was pretty gnarly. And what he do? It just showed how great a rider Jet was. He got up front, and I think we could all agree he was probably riding about 80 85% and still pulling away from everybody. So um, Jet does what Jet does, man. He is uh, He's on top of the world, and he is clearly 
the future of the sport and crushing these 250 guys, whether or not he can go undefeated for the whole season. If he right now, I believe he's third in the uh, overall 250 Supercross uh, wins list tied with myself for uh, 22nd, myself, Dean Wilson, Jake Weimer, and Keith Turpin. If he wins the next eight, which are the eight remaining West rounds, he could jump all the way up to number two behind James Stewart with 16 wins. James has 18. So Jed is looking to make his mark this season, whether or not that's something on his list. Everyone likes to be atop the wins list if they can. Webb, on the other hand, man, a second. He uh, It was a well-earned second. I think we can all agree that he didn't get the greatest start. I think I believe he came from 10th on the first lap. But someone who really crushed it in the earlier, it was Daniel Blair during Race Day Live. He said this track was going to suit up for, for Cooper Webb. And it truly did because Cooper was strong. The whoops were jumpers, as he admitted, and the corners were rutted. So he was able to turn on a dime, come through the pack. His conditioning was superb because he definitely out. He wore out everybody else. Brandis, Sexton, Malcolm, and found himself in second down the main event. Is this someone we're going to see weekly from Cooper? I don't know. We did. We were not very nice to him in our preview show. <laughs> we let him have it pretty good. So, uh, I don't know. I, it's it, racing's better when Cooper's up front because he's such a strategic rider. His racecraft is excellent. So, uh, what do you think, Brad? Do you think Cooper's going to just a regular thing we see every week from him? Honestly, I think it's fool's gold. I, I I need to see more of it. I I've seen this last year, and then an absolutely abysmal. Like he he got second almost the exact same way last year, where everyone else was either crashing or beating each other up, or something weird. Like, this was a perfect track for Cooper Webb to do exactly what he did. It actually reminded me a lot of the 2017 um, Oakland track, and we'll get to Oakland in a second, but that place was an absolute, uh, it was full of bomb holes, and him and um, him and Eli went toe-to-toe, and Eli got the better of them, but it was it was a, a crazy race where like basically everyone else was just trying to survive, and it was him and Tomac. And honestly, we saw a lot of the same thing this last weekend. Um, Cooper, like he honestly, to, in my opinion, he still doesn't look to be in absolute peak Eli or uh, Cooper Webb condition. I still th- I think he's he's a little bit heavier than he normally is, which still he's probably still walking around at like ten percent body fat. So what am I really saying here? Um, but in all honesty, uh, I need to see more of it. I need him to back that up and, and do two, three weeks in the podium, uh, or in or around it, maybe even get a win, uh, for me to say that Cooper Webb is Cooper Webb, uh, in regards to, uh, Eli Tomac, that was maybe one of the most dominating performances that I've seen him on a Yamaha period, uh, reminiscent of when in 2017, he just laid a bomb on everyone at, um, at Phoenix ended up winning by like 12 seconds. He was like a man amongst boys. Like everyone else was struggling with the track and Eli Tomac was just riding out there. Um, it was really impressive to see. I, I, I was like this last weekend was like, they always like, like a one can almost never live up to the hype that we give it because we spend three or four months, like just blowing smoke up its ass and that one blew our expectations out of the water checks honestly i can't remember the last time that we had a an action packed um anaheim one that that four was four different leaders and, and four different leaders honestly like when yeah. i when i first saw uh eli take took the lead i was like oh we're going to have one one change for the lead and that's going to be it and that couldn't have been further from the truth uh we got a great race man well i mean 
one of the things to keep in mind is like the last time that I can, the one that comes to mind anyways, or that I was going to say is, is Kennard and Millsaps. They battled all the way down to the last lap. That was a pretty epic yes. A1. But yeah, a lot of times you might get some surprise winners and stuff, but not necessarily the epic race. Um, real quick on the Tomac thing or the web thing, sorry, that stands out to me is he was happy on the podium. He was smiling on the podium and he's saying he's back. I don't feel like the Cooper Webb that wins championships is happy with second place ever, especially when Eli Tomac crashes and comes back and still beats him. That is, um, that's a real, really big red flag for me. If Cooper's happy getting second place, um, it was a perfect track for him of cutting down below the ruts, no whoops to really speak of. I mean, you're jumping across one set and two jumps and the other ones were small. So I'm not sold on Cooper Webb. It is nice to have him at least in the conversation and in the mix, because I think all of us in the pre-race podcast stuff, we wouldn't think he was even wanting to be a factor. So at least we get to talk about him a little bit. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think you might be being a little hard on Webb just for the fact that from what I read from about him is he, he said that he, after Paris, you know, he knew he sucked last season. He felt like shit at Paris. And they really laid into his team this offseason between Paris and, and A1, let him know that we got to get this KTM dialed in. And I think maybe it was more, you know, I think he's, I don't think it was him just being happy for getting second. I think it was like, okay, I'm feeling good. The bike did well. I did get second. I didn't lose a lot of points this opening round. We're in, we're, we're heading in the right directions. I think that was almost as much of a smile um, than him being just settling for second. I think it was just like, okay, we're going in the right direction. That's just kind of the way I saw it. Um, I, I, I believe that would be more of a, my way I would take from the way he is positive and, and, and moving forward. So he's got his bike in a better place and he's in a better head place than he was last year that could bring a smile to his face. I think, what do you think? Yeah, honestly, I think that Cooper Webb maybe surprised himself a little bit, like as much as he surprised the onlookers who sort of had their minds made up of how his season is going to go. He went ahead and uh, squashed a lot of that and sort of maybe, maybe changed some people's minds. And like I said, just like surprised himself a little bit and good on him for doing that. Uh, In my eyes, he, I still need to see it a little bit more. I need to see, um, the first three, four rounds of him being either on the podium, on the top of the podium, or very close to it, um, consistently for me to say, yep, Cooper Webb is going to be a, a serious threat for this championship. Otherwise, I think it's a bit of fool's gold. Um, the one thing I was really surprised to see is uh, how much Chase Sexton uh, tightened up. Um, and a track like that, like, and maybe Denny, you can talk about this a little bit, is, is that that was the the longest lap time we've seen at a Anaheim in quite some time over a minute long lap times, which is normally they've had, they've had tracks at this particular track or at this particular venue that are sub 45 seconds. So there's a layout out there that these guys can, can chop 15 seconds off of. So the fact that it was a, a technical layout, one that was sort of low speed, like there was some big jumps out there, but a lot of them were like, you gotta like you're threading the needle throughout those ruts and stuff like that. And Denny, I almost feel like uh, riding a really slow technical track can almost um, wear you out even more when literally every little jump, every little rut uh, you really have to focus on versus a track that is flat as a board and you can just sort of like go wide open on uh, because then you can be a little bit more free and you're not having to hit the exact marks every single time. Uh, I think that really affected some guys and Sexton was certainly one of them. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, <clears throat> I thought the track layout was fantastic. Um, it was reminiscent of the 90s, very busy, not a lot of flow. Um, I saw some of the fans complaining about it on social media. I think they're nuts. I think this type of track is way more entertaining, brings far better racing than having, you know, 100-yard 
uh, lanes where you can jump through them in, in two or, you know, two leaps. Um, especially with the 450, you talked about the track being tighter, um, making the body a little bit more tight, tight, blood pumping, heart rate pumping. I think that again, from the busy track and having a big 450 with 60 horsepower, trying to get that thing around it, it definitely tightened up guys. Sexton looked tight, uh, but he's got to be happy to walk out of there with a third. He might've led some early laps in the past chase section might've gone down, uh, dropped the front end of the whoops, tucked the front end of one of the bull corners, ended up sixth or seventh. He only dropped five points to Eli, which is, you know, really nothing to start out the season with. Sexton did get tight, did get third, didn't win when he had a chance to, but I think he can leave there with his head held high and know that we're heading into a round two, which turned out to be now San Diego, uh, only five points down on the champ. So I think, I think the top three should be pretty relieved to get out there as they did. And as we heard from Jet as well, Jet was just hoping to get through to Sunday. And it was an early track. I liked the busyness. I liked the minute plus lap times. As far as the ruts and the transfers, I saw some of the photos and they were jumping some triples and quads with some gnarly ruts. <clears throat> it's uh, I don't miss those days. I don't miss those days at all. When you're heading up, heading into a big uh, rhythm section, the foot pegs uh, dragging, grabbing a foot or something. That was a gnarly way to kick the season off. And I know in the past, they've tried to keep Anaheim a pretty mellow track. This was a man's track to kick the season off with. And, uh, and the men, men rose, rose, to the, uh, rose to the top, as we saw. The men rose to the top. And now it's time to send things off to round two. Next. Just kidding. <laughs> Oakland Supercross gets postponed, not running. Um, they've experienced tons of rain. It's raining there right now as we record this in real time, which is a huge bummer, um, to see. And I, I honestly, like I was looking forward to, to watching some racing this weekend. I know a lot of people enjoy going to the Oakland Supercross, but it's not canceled altogether. That will be slated all the way over to, um, February the 18th, uh, and good on Feld for being able to, uh, secure that booking, uh, as quickly as they could, like literally same day, they were able to get that going. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on just the decision in general? Uh, did they make the right call? Who does this help? Who does this hurt? Uh, I'll throw it over to checkers right off the hop here. Well, B personally, I'm excited that it's, it's postponed as much as I wanted to watch racing on Saturday night. I'm not a fan of mud races um, when they're to that level. It's, it's really not a good show. It throws a mix in things. And I understand that it's exciting for a little bit, but watching three hours of dudes rolling around the track with their feet paddling. If I wanted to do that, I'm going to go to the local arena cross and watch the beginner class. That's not what I'm into. I want to watch some good racing, some rhythm. I want to be able to tell who the dudes are not covered in mud, watching a supercross in an open stadium, getting dumped on in rain in person's not good either. It hurts the attendance. It hurts the show. It hurts the crowd. Um, I'm okay with it. Um, I think that it was the right decision. I mean, let's be real. We don't want to put people in danger trying to travel there just for riders that have to fly. And are they even going to be able to get to the stadium or anything like that either? There's a lot more going on than just the dirt bike race. Um, I did see that the Dirtworks guys who are amazing at working with these conditions were able to get somewhat of a track built, but it was still going to be a mess. And it's, like I said, everything else going on. um, It's really a public safety thing. Like I'm okay with them canceling it. I think that's definitely going to help guys like Pierce Brown who hit the deck really, really hard. And it's going to give him an extra week to get healed up a little bit and be ready to go for round two. Um, so Malcolm Stewart, I'm guessing is not feeling too good after his get off either. Although, you know, he's, he's physically okay. You're still bumped and battered and bruised. Um, and that extra week could definitely help out guys like him. So um, as much as I wanted to watch racing on Saturday night, I'm okay with the decision. 
Yeah, what do you yeah. think, Debo? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Supercross was never meant to be the Blackwater 100, and that was what it was going to be. Uh, we talked about a little before we went on air that, you know, it's okay once you build the track and it starts raining that evening and the track then deteriorates, turns into a muddy mess. I think that's fine. That's part of racing. But to start the night off, to start the whole weekend off, I mean, the state of California is in a state of emergency right now. People are dying. There's 200,000 people nearly without power. There's just more stuff going on than a Supercross this weekend. And I think that that was taken into consideration. In fact, that even though the dirt works, which are phenomenal at what they do, did try and get part of the track to get in. I saw even they possibly had the gates in. It rained all day today. It's supposed to rain all day tomorrow. 100% chance all day Saturday. Yeah, like Checker said, I, I, I just assumed that the riders put, are able to put in a good show, that the fans are able to enjoy the whole uh, venue, the whole event. Um, so hats off to Feld. I knew that they were having a meeting with the teams and stuff on Thursday morning and um, yesterday morning and they uh, or on Wednesday morning and they came through. They did it right. Good for them. Hats off. Yeah, there's something but, to be yeah. said for that, too. But one thing is that, that, that they did add with the track with, by them adding the race on February 18th. Uh, drivers and then the teams will now have to drive from from uh, Tampa, Florida to Oakland, which is 2,800 miles. I looked it up and then we'll follow that up with a drive from Oakland to Dallas or Arlington, which is another 18 to 1700 miles. So um, I know some of the privateer riders have said that, you know, we'd rather burn up a bike than drive those miles. I don't know. That, that's it's a lot of miles to drive, but uh, those bikes ain't cheap either. So. It, it's it's just part of the sport. It's just the way it is, and uh, it adds a new adventure, a new twist. But uh, we'll enjoy it at home either way. For sure, and I just want to point out that it's it's really good that that Feld took the time to get with the teams and riders and actually involve them in the decision instead of just saying, "Well, we're going to do what's best for our company, and we have tickets to sell, and who cares about you guys?" Um, I think that's a huge step forward for the sport and where it's come from, and. I mean, I think a lot of that goes all the way back to another mud race in San Diego when everybody's stuff got destroyed with lime and including their bodies and stuff. It seems like that really was the kickoff to a lot of the progress that's been made. Um, and I'm sure that it's grown even more with the whole Super Motocross Championship thing. I mean, the OEMs have been an integral part of that whole series taking off too. So cool to see progress in the sport. Um, I give them a lot of a hard time about things that they could do better and whatnot. Um, so we've got to call it out when they do things right. And also I saw that the, the purse came out this week a little bit, or at least pri- it was posted and I saw it, the 250 purse is quite a bit better for the guys. Um, so props there too, like they're, they're doing things to strive forward. And I would like to appreciate that because I, then I complain a lot otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Give yourself some running room so that when you do, uh, complain that uh yeah you you've certainly earned it um and i yeah hats off to them for some extra purse uh lord knows racing in the 250 class uh has not been nearly as advantageous as racing in the 450 class um so maybe you use have less guys uh in the privateer ranks racing 450 because they like they're sort of uh only excuses like i can't make any money in the four the 250 class and now you can you can at least make a little bit more uh than you used to be able to and uh, honestly I, I think that there's there's a cost to everything i'm sure there's a cost as far as uh having to move this date um just like uh the teams have to drive those miles so do the trucks that uh that travel with all the tough blocks and everything else um, so that's a cost that they're going to have to incur that I'm sure they don't, well, I'm sure they budget, they have, uh, budgets that are, are allow for things sort of like that. But, um, also you have to think of like the, the PR side of things. Like, 
Um, they could have raced this race, saved themselves some money. The fact that like 99% of the, the people who had bought tickets for that were probably going to go um, or you couldn't refund their tickets. And all they would have been left is just walk up tickets, which I don't think there's a lot of people who walk up day of to go watch a Supercross. Um, all of the tickets that purchased have been purchased so far will be available to transfer over to the uh, February 18th. So that's all taken care of. Um, and same thing with the wear and tear, like there's, you think there's wear and tear on dirt bikes. Think about wear and tear on equipment that these guys run. Like they, they, uh, they rent all of that stuff. A lot of the times from the local rental places for cat or whatever it happens to be. You think those places don't charge you when you bring it back all covered in lime or packed with mud. I'm sure there's a cost that comes along with that and they don't want to have to deal with that. So if they can move it all one week, um, or a few weeks, I basically move it a month forward. I think that that's a that was a great move on their part, and um, yeah, I, I really don't see too many downsides on it aside from uh, a little bit further drive. And honestly, it's a big drive. But I talked to uh, Kevin Morans about this today over uh, over text, and he's like, "Yeah, it's a long drive, but like if you think about it, like from the from a, a racer's point of view, like hey, I got a hell of a drive here." I'm going to blog or blog this entire thing, try and get some crowdfunded stuff or get some fans involved. Like, Hey, I'm driving across. Like you want to like buy me a bag of chips at a gas station near you. We'll link up. I'll sign you a Jersey and they can make money doing it. Like these guys drive across this like country. Like how many times have we done Washougal? No, Unadilla, Washougal, Millville. Like it's the same drive. So I and I, I don't honestly I don't I, I that the drive is not that big a deal. The, honestly, probably the biggest deal is the fact that now instead of having a week off in the middle of the season, we have uh a, we will not have that week off. And just as we have this nice reprieve right now, where guy where guys like Mookie can uh, can not be so sore rolling into round two, they're going to be awfully sore rolling rolling into round eight. The good news is they did add that second week off this year, which usually it's. Yes. Uh, 17 races in 18 weeks or whatever and they added the the one extra week off which allows there will be a break in the middle of the season still i mean those well, drives are have... terrible but if like you said if guys are creative they can figure a lot of things out you get someone else to haul your bike and you fly in for that oakland round or you leave a practice bike in california and you race a practice bike or find a dealership to get you a bike and fly with suspension um you know, carpool with somebody else. There's ways to make it work. I mean, oh yeah. You spoke of Moran's. Here's the thing: he's a positive dude, and he's figured out a way to make money doing this thing as a privateer. You know, a guy like Logan Carnout, same thing. Like, does it take a pit into their budget? It absolutely does. But at the same point, be creative, and you'll be just fine. Or skip the race. I mean, I do think the turnout will be down a little bit um, because there will be guys that'll skip the race and just stay stay east. Yeah, and uh, yeah, also the attrition of the sport. Somebody needs to give Justin Starling a pep talk. He didn't seem too happy on Twitter today about it. <laughs> well, he's funding his own program, right? And he's got to send his band to go and, sure. and whatnot. But again, link up with, say, AJE. I know he's buddies with them. Throw your bike on their semi. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like there's, where there's a will, there's a way. Figure it out. Borrow a bike. That There's, there's ways to make it happen. And yeah. I guess racers go race. And you are dealt with it there's there's circumstances there i mean how, how many of those guys would have skipped this weekend altogether and just not ridden because it was going to destroy everything um that's always a battle in a privateer's mind too like do you go destroy your stuff or do you take advantage of the fact that this is your one opportunity that 
you can take advantage of a bunch of dudes having huge issues. And if you just stay upright and get around the track, you might have your best career finish. Yeah, honestly, like the given the fact, like if there's even say five guys and like saw five guys that are normally in the night show who say, yeah, I'm not driving from from Tampa to, to Oakland. All right. Well, that just that bumps you five spots closer. Maybe you're not in an LCQ. Maybe you go straight through on the heat race. And that can be a bargaining chip when you're going to look for, for sponsorship next October when you said like, yeah, at the Oakland Supercross last year, I went in straight through the heat race rather than having to go to an LCQ. Um, I I don't know how valuable that is to a protect prospective sponsor, but for those guys, it's a lot. Um, so uh, I think that I think they may obviously ultimately they made the right move. Hats off to those guys. And I'm looking forward to watch uh, the Oakland Supercross when it happens in one month's time. Absolutely. So we're moving on to segment number three, and it is brought to you by mxd360.com dash for cash little bit of uh versus challenge questions um checkers you want to uh i kind of introduce this segment for us and uh kind of take us through the beginning here absolutely well if you haven't already um there's still a chance to probably beat me at moto extreme 360.com because i did so terrible at a1 i don't have much of a head start um it was pretty rough um but go over there sign up you can still battle with your friends each week um for free actually you don't have to pay to do that but join the the paid league and if you can just come from behind you know when carmichael crashed out of a1 came back and won the title you can he was good at coming from behind a crf 110 from storm iconda and i believe denny if you sign up sometime before the end of the year you're still eligible for the king's gear is that correct absolutely if you sign up anytime between now and uh The Salt Lake City finale, you are eligible. Your name will go in the drawing, and you will be eligible to win uh, an autograph set of Jeremy McGrath's gear, the king, the showtime. Yeah, the man with 72 wins and seven Supercross titles. His gear could be yours for simply signing up and playing MotoXtreme360.com. Absolutely. It would look really, really good on that wall right there. I can see it. Um, It could fit right between Henry Miller and Matt Byton. (laughs) Right. Well, just take Byton's down. He doesn't. He's retired. He's washed up. He's Um, done. Dirty backflipper. <laughs> so let's dive into some versus challenge questions. And since we don't have a Oakland race this weekend, everything is based on the entire Supercross season. And I'm going to throw the first one to you, Debo. Who scores more points? The Club MX Yamaha team of Styles Robertson and Phil Nicoletti. This is West Coast only. Or the Star Yamaha team of Styles Robertson and Levi Kitchen. At A1, the club guys put in work on them. Styles, well, Styles, not Styles and Nicoletti. I'm sorry. That is uh, definitely Enzo Lopes. Enzo Lopes. That was okay. I, I was confused there. Yeah, for Lopes and killed it. Positive, and I couldn't think of the other rider. So good uh, rebound right there. Um, I think that Enzo is riding phenomenally right now. Um, he is, you know, he ended the season at Salt Lake City with the fastest qualifying time in his uh, in his qualifying group. And he came back at Anaheim 1 with the qual- fastest qualifying group at the end of the end of practice. Uh, first group so he looked really well Phil Nicoletti took advantage of the ruts he's the guy we know he's tactical we know he hates supercross and it was a little bit more outdoorsy with the ruts and all the jumps both of them did very well where on the other hand you got Styles coming his first re- weekend on the Star Yamaha I thought he did very well Levi Kitchen surprised I think a lot of us as well with a solid top 10 finish I believe when the end of the season comes around I believe that Star Yamaha's Robertson and Kitchen will 
as a combination with the most points over the, over the club MX team. Um, Phil is a great supercross rider. He tends to have some uh, mishaps, some uh, unexpected crashes. Enzo as well. Um, he hasn't got yet on the box. So it'll be close, but I believe the star has the better riders in Styles right now and Levi, at least the bigger, stronger future riders. And I think coming into the end of the, we see Salt Lake City come around the 2023 West region will have the uh, upstar will have the better, better t- duo. I think that's what you get with the factory team is a little bit of that consistency, um, which is going to help. I think the, the star guys rack up more points. I also think the top end of where you're going to get a finish from a Styles Robertson or Levi Kitchen, I feel like I see those guys getting probably a podium each at some point. Um, although I was very hard on Kitchen because he has not proven yet um, a sixth, I believe, is what he got is his best Supercross finish yet. Um, nothing that I saw looks like he can't do well, even on a demanding track. And I mean, Denny's convinced me in our previous show. I'm on the Styles train all year long right now. Um, I'm expecting big things from him. Lopes has been a very big surprise. He's impressive for sure. I just don't know about consistently getting it done yet, but he is showing those flashes of brilliance that are going to help him in the future, catching attention of the actual factory teams. Uh, But I think you just don't have quite the consistency from him. And I think Nicoletti is going to be a five to 10 guy week in and week out, which is fantastic. It's going to stack points. But when those guys are starting mixing it up in thirds and fourths and stuff like that, you lose a lot of points pretty quickly. So I'm going to agree with you. Star Yamaha will have more points than Club and Max. And Enzo Lopes got sixth. Levi Kitchen was seventh. And then Phil was eighth and Styles was ninth. So the two were grouped together. Uh, the duos were grouped together in both uh, in the top 10. So uh, I agree with you. I think that the, the ceiling for Phil is about a fifth. I could see Styles and, uh, and Levi uh, flirting with the podiums. And Lopes will be anywhere from third to sixth to seventh, I believe, as well. So let's stick with that. What do you think, Brad? I would first like to mention that I am tied for 190th overall in the uh, 250 West series standings. Uh, I dare not check where I am uh, in the overall rankings altogether. Um, but in in return in in terms of this discussion, I think you got to give the nod to Star Racing Yamaha. I think um, in order to stay on factory equipment. Uh, Robertson needs to be in or around the podium for the rest of the series. I think he needs to be a factor every time he's on the track. Um, and if we're calling this Levi Kitchen's rookie year, uh, for which for all intents and purposes it is because he raced one race last year, uh, or like I think he got hurt during he qualifying of one race. 22nd. Yeah, two. so two he raced two last year. Uh, if so, if that means that, uh, Christian Craig isn't a rookie in the 450 class or is a rookie in the 450 class, then Levi Kitchen is certainly a rookie in the 250 class, uh, which means I think, honestly, as long as he's a top 10 guy all season long, um, he that that's good progress. I would love to see him close to the top 10, uh, close to the top three, maybe in a podium or two to close out the season. Obviously, there's going to be some attrition, but honestly, um, I think that it's more likely that Kitchen battles with Enzo Lopes a little bit more than he'd like to, um, and I, but only for the reason that I think that Enzo seems to have taken a step forward, which is great for him. Um, Nicoletti, um, oddly enough, during his Supercross seasons, he t- typically starts out really strong and then so seems to peter off a little bit. You, like he's he is pretty banged up over the years. He's got a lot of different things that he sort of nags with him. 
uh, in terms of injuries. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him have some success early and then peter off a little bit. Uh, so uh, that's a really long way of saying I'd take Robertson and Kitchen uh, over those two for sure. All right. Next up, after a probably disappointing A1, I would say um, for Christian Craig versus Colt Nichols, who Just I think Debo. was one of the standout surprises. Um, Nichols was inside the top 10. Craig was well outside the top 10. And, and honestly, other than the first practice, wasn't wasn't a factor. He did have a big crash. Which one of them has more points before the end of the year? As much as it pains me to say it, I, I think it's going to be Christian Craig. I I don't think we saw what he really is all about at A1. I mean, it was the worst conditions possible for him. He had a big crash. Um, it was very ruddy and not at all West Coast-like where he really accelerates and the whoops were a non-factor, which is his strongest point. Uh, Christian Craig will get better. Nichols did a great job of doing all the laps and making a good night by just staying up, get, got a good start and almost whole shot or did whole shot and then stayed at the front of the field by simply attrition. You know, um, I think that's awesome. I think that's what he absolutely needs to do the first half of this season. And then the second half, he needs to crank it up there and try to win some heats and really make an impression to keep himself a ride. But the only way that you're able to do that and actually make it memorable is you have to get some races in first where you're finishing all the races or all the laps. Um, what do you think there, Brad? Uh, when it comes to Christian Craig and and Colt Nichols, um, honestly, like I, I, I've already labeled Colt Nichols as the rookie of the year mainly because I don't think Christian's a rookie. Um, I think his this, his results this last weekend had more to do with the cra- the, the practice crash or, the, yeah, the, the qualifying crash and just not feeling comfortable the rest of that day. Um, and la- Saturday's track was a get-me-out-of-here kind of track all night long. I feel like there was a yeah. lot of times where guys were just sort of surviving out there. So when you're just surviving, when you're surviving to begin with because of a crash and then the track is very much challenging, um, I think like can't really take a lot from those results, but, uh, what you got from Christian is exactly what you're going to get from that sort of situation. And, um, honestly, I think hats off to Colt for a sixth place. Like, uh, I still, I still think he's probably going to be in around the seven, eight, nine, ten as a 450 rookie, that's awesome for him. Um, and I, I, I do see him, um, being sort of the, the leader of the rookie pack throughout this year. I, th- I think, uh, um, Colt gets more points. I really do. You're insane. Colt that's did okay. great. Six was good. Great start. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, he was the most quiet six I think we've ever seen in a supercross finish. Um, he rode very well. First, uh, 450 supercross main event hats off to him. Hats off to factory Honda for picking him up. And, uh, you know, congrats to Colt. He's been through a lot of, uh, a lot of injuries over the years. Fantastic sixth place finish. Craig, on the other hand, things could not have gone worse for him. He started out very, very early in the day, very fast, took a pretty big header in the whoops from my understand, rang his bell a little bit, and then it was just downhill from there. New bike, <clears throat> crash. Um, you know, we've seen Chris, Christian ride with a little bit of emotion a lot of times. When things aren't going well, it can, can kind of get caught up in that. This was not a good start for him. And, but considering it wise, he still got a 13th. Uh, we thought Colt was a, a ride of his year with a sixth, and Christian had a shit ride in 13th. That's seven points. Very much, very small differential, but yet completely, completely opposite end of the spectrum of what way we feel they rode. That's true. So 
obviously for me, I've, I'm a Christian Craig fan. I'm not a Colts fan, Colt fan as well, but I believe Christian Craig at the end of the season will have more points than, than Colt Nichols. I'll tell you what, though, one last thing on that that is going to be an interesting story to watch is previously, um, I would say all the way back to definitely three seasons ago, Christian Craig was very, very mentally fragile. Um, he definitely fixed and corrected that over the last two years, um, which is I would agree. honestly part of the reason I got proved wrong that he made it made it to this level of where he's at. But can he bounce back? Is he mentally strong enough to bounce back from a very defeating ride? Um, I did have a chance to watch his vlog and he looked very, very, very defeated. Um, Nathan Ramsey was in there talking to him and saying, hey, just just let it go. Like it's done. You can't change it. We move forward now and we learn something from it. So it'll be interesting to see how that bounce back is. Speaking of bouncing back, Adam Ciancerillo bounces back and finally finishes inside the top 10 again. So that's good to see him. He finished in A1, um, stayed on the track. Bounced you out of Survivor, baby. And then also Joey Savacci right with him. So a couple of Cowies, one factory bike, one privateer bike. End of the year, who has more points? Tell us, Brad. Oh, this one's tough. Like, this one is tough because, like – both guys have had a hard time staying staying healthy. Uh, that is truth about both these guys. Uh, obviously, top end speed, you got to give it to Adam, but we're not talking about one race. We're talking about one season. And I, I have a hard time confidently saying uh, it's it's Adam Steen's Ferrillo, but uh, I'm not going to sit here and predict that he hits the ground. So I'm going to go with AC. I think that uh, he's got the top end speed. I think he's, he's got more Supercross wins than... than uh, um, than Joey does, but honestly, the two of them are evenly matched, and I really wish Kawasaki had the ability to run three guys, because I I think that they'd have a one, two, three punch that would be uh, pretty tough to beat, so uh, I'm going to go with with AC. Um, I would have to agree. Uh, Again, it goes back to that spectrum. We have Adam getting a ninth, Joey getting a tenth. Uh, AC, I think everybody's happy that he finished, happy he had a good race, happy he just kind of put in his time and his laps and and finished top ten. Well, on the other hand, Joey got a top 10, and we're thinking that is a great finish for Joey. Um, when it all seems, you know, 16 ro- uh, rounds down the road here, I'm going to have to agree. I think Adam, he stays healthy. And for one, if, if, if Joey or Svachi does not find, if someone else unfortunately gets, doesn't get injured and Joey does not step into a uh, another ride in the next seven to eight rounds, we won't see uh, Savachi for the rest of the series. So, um, for the simple fact that Adam has a, a full contracted year and Joey's only doing selected these first eight rounds, I think for me it's pretty obvious we're going to have to go with Adam seeing Sorello. And let's hope he keeps building upon this, stays healthy, and we see some top five maybe podiums out of him. It was definitely shocking to not see any real flashes from Adam Seans. Really, as the quietest finish he's maybe ever had in Supercross. Um, speaking of the ride thing, even if Joey gets a ride, then he has to deal with learning a new bike and team in the middle of the season. His best bet is to have Adam Cianciarillo or Jason Anderson go out because he's at least familiar with that bike and program um, at Factory Cowie because he's been there a few times. I think he's uh, stoked I mean, on that bike, though. Like, that Cowie that he's on, I think he's really – and I would be, too. That's a really well-appointed bike. Absolutely. I mean, my hope for him really is that the program's going so well and he's doing so well that Rick Ware decides, hey, we're having fun doing this. We're doing well. Let's just keep going. And let's just run you on that and and not make Joey leave and go to another program. And I don't know. I'm, I'm really worried about Adam Cincerillo because it's, it seems like as quiet as that ride was and knowing what he can do, 
that he's almost riding to not get hurt. And that's usually when bad things happen. I mean, I believe that's exactly what happened to him a year ago. Um, but I'm going to go Adam Ciancerullo has more points at the end of the year. I think that his strategy is going to work out this time of just getting the laps early in the season, almost similar to what I said about Colt Nichols, get the laps in early in the season and then crank that baby wide open mid season um, and start to battle for some, some heat race wins and some podiums and that side of things where I think his speed can come from. I did see, um, I wish I could credit who said this, but I guess Adam had two of the three fastest segments laps during the main or segment times during the main event. So some speed was still there on the race. Oh, it's Clinton Fowler. That a boy. Of course it's him. <laughs> so thanks, Clinton. I appreciate it. Stack on. If you haven't already, um, all kinds of awesome information coming out from him. But that shows me that even though it looked real quiet, that there was actually something under the hood for Adam Cianciarillo. Next up, the KTM duo. Um, very similar again, Marvin Muskan. I would say people would say he had an absolutely terrible Anaheim one, not inside the top 10. Eliminated a ton of people from Survivor, by the way. And Aaron Plessinger, who showed some flashes of brilliance. People were super excited about it. Um, he did look very spicy as far as getting good starts with the practice starts and stuff and the fake starts and, and time qualifying and, and whatnot. Although his times weren't that good, he showed some, some flashes out there. Um, but it was also a wet track. Debo, what do you think? Well, I had both these riders on my MXD 360 team. Uh, Plessinger was hot and... So he would get a 10, uh, 10 extra points to be top 10, which he did. And the more I watched the track breakdown, the more I watched how he rides, he was an easy bet higher for me. So I picked him up. Muskin uh, ran top three in all of his qualify, every qualifying round. Uh, I believe he even had the qual- fastest qualifier in, uh, in se- uh, first section or first uh, session of the 450 class. He was on fire all day. So I was expecting a top five from Marvin, no problem at all. And then we come to the main event. Marv gets a shit start, uh, makes some mistakes. He was running top 10, as we talked about earlier, uh, checks. Him and uh, Barsha both were, I think, 8th, ninth, or ninth, 10th, going into the 20th lap of the 21-lap moto. And went, I think Marvin went down a quarter. I think we could see that in the back of the, of the TV broadcast. And I believe Barsha had, had collected in with him and really, really shot the hell out of everyone in your survivor game who had either one of those guys because they ended up getting 11th and 12th. And I had Mar- uh, Justin Barsha for the third time in your four times playing your stupid game. I've been eliminated in the first round. <laughs> and uh, thank you to Marv for taking down himself and Barsha in the process. But uh, back to the original question, Plessinger's riding for a ride, I think, on this KTM team. Marvin might be on his way out. <clears throat> but the conditions, I think, definitely suited uh, AP more so than Marv. Marv got his crap started, but made some mistakes. I think the old guy, Marv, the, uh, the Timex Frenchman, is going to be uh, the one between the two who has the most points come Salt Lake City round 17. Marv over AP. Yes, I'm going to disagree with you finally. I think Father Time has finally caught up with Marvin. Yeah. And I After also one round, think, you guys already come to this conclusion, huh? Hey, we got to draw conclusions straight from A1. <laughs> Jump to conclusions. Absolutely. Cooper <laughs> Webb is in this title fight for sure. Hands down. Ken Roxon was going to take off the, the title a year ago, too. Hey, what, what, why not? But why the other not? thing I'm going to look at, it is still raining in SoCal. It's supposed to rain in SoCal more. They're going to San Diego, another open and stadium. Looks like that could probably be a mud race. A2, another open stadium. If it's going to stay rainy in SoCal, that's a huge advantage for Aaron Plessinger, plus a way to get some confidence going. Um, 
and I think if he gets the ball rolling, I think it can keep rolling for him. I think it's just getting that ball moving, and, and maybe A1 was enough to to do that, to get it going, um, get some confidence back in him. I think that Marv may have the better finish in one race of the season, but one thing I've, I remember seeing you know, with Kevin Windham and even Chad Reed as they were getting later in their career, every now and again they could turn on the speed, but it, the consistencies would actually started to go away a little bit of how often that they could do it. Um, we even saw it a little bit with Brayton of you know, they would have a really, really good ride here or there, but the the normal ride and the average finish started to drop down a little bit. As Danny always says, Father Time never loses. I'm going Aaron Plessinger to have more points than Marvin Muskin. Well, I hate to blow, blow your bubble here, burst your bubble, because uh, it shows here on the weather I'm looking at right now that next Wednesday through Sunday, sunny and 60 every single day in San Diego. So uh, I do not pro, uh, expect a mutter in San Diego or a two. So you might want to dial back that. Uh, that well, I hope not. I'm going. Fire. <laughs> you are going. That's right. What do you think, Brad? Well, honestly, I think it. people forget that it wasn't that long ago that on a 250F, Aaron Plessinger owned this sport. As far as North America is considered, he was absolutely lights out for star racing Yamaha. Uh, some rough from rough years on the on the Yamaha. And then he, obviously last year, him and the the KTM did not get along. Seems like that relationship's going a whole lot better. And yeah, they, like one who, one person who's undefeated is Father Time, and uh, that may be uh, uh, happening for Marvin Muscan right now. But either way, I think that this is um, like Marvin Muscan is certainly winding his career down his fastest days are behind him i don't think he would argue with you with that at least not very vehemently he's just, like he's he's over 30 uh he's not a kid anymore uh and aaron plessinger um is still very much trying to make a, a career out of this obviously he's had some success he's made some money in the sport but doesn't want to hang him up anytime soon i still think he's he's got an upward trajectory uh directory throughout his career so i think uh i think this season is going to be uh the rise of plessinger and uh yeah let's see marvin fall fall off a little bit wouldn't be surprised it is weird with father time but it, it isn't a slow drop off it is usually a cliff you know all of a sudden yeah. it hits you your mind changes your mindset changes your body changes um you know i i that's why i felt uh kind of when i was time for me to just get out of arena cross and i think we've seen it in many different sports that as Chucker said, and we've all said, Father Time does not is undefeated, and he does not fuck around because when he decides to take action, it's usually a big drop off the cliff. So I have well, not ready. Denny, you probably saw it for first first hand with with uh, Budman. Like Budman was knocking down championships and and main event wins in Arena Cross right up until he wasn't anymore. Well, he'd left and he'd left and went and wrote uh, the Nationals one year, and then tried to come come back. And I think he was a little off at that point. But yeah, I mean, it really does. And that's a big reason is when all of a sudden you start looking uh, around you when you first hit a rhythm section, first hit a triple, and you got five different guys all around you who are 18, 19, 25 years old, and you're in your 30s, you've already experienced some injuries, and you start questioning yourself and what's going to happen, you all of a sudden now become a hazard. And um, and that's part of just the father time. When your mind starts overacting your reactions, is when uh, it's time to take to uh, to uh, put the bike back in the garage. Not saying Marv's like that. Not saying anybody else like that at this point. But there, it does happen. And uh, but like I said, I'm not ready to put Marv on that that list yet. Only two of us All are right. ready to write Marv off after a one. Yeah, 
Good job. <laughs> but you got to stay alive. We got to make this thing interesting. We can't agree on everything, right? Hundred percent. I know we're going to argue with these next two guys, uh, checkers. Why don't you kick it off for us, Anderson and Ferrandis? Uh, both of them had pretty quiet nights this last Saturday. One a little bit more successful than the other, but I want you to break them down. Yeah, I mean, I would. I have. I don't think we would even talk about this or consider this question before a one. But we're judging everything yep. off of a one, right? Where Ferrandis. Yep. Well, had a really good night, and Jason Anderson didn't. Remember, Jason Anderson had a huge practice crash. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see that one, but, I mean, he took a gnarly face plant, definitely feeling it. I guess another guy maybe benefiting from an extra week off to get the body back right, um, and he really wasn't wasn't the same after that. The one positive for Ferrandis, he got a good start in his heat race, and Tomac also got a good start, which means that bike maybe gets some good starts. If Ferrandis figures starts out, this is a conversation to be had. I'm not sold on Ferrandis getting his starts figured out in Supercross. I haven't forgotten that Jason Anderson tied for the most wins with seven in Supercross last year. I'm still on the Jason Anderson train, not only to have more points than Mar- or, uh, Dylan Ferrandis, but to still be a title contender in 2023 Supercross. What do you got, you Brad? Take- yeah, what do you got, Bradley? Honestly, I think this is this. I don't want to overreact too much. I'm already overacting, basically saying that uh, Marvin Muscan's career is over, even though he's probably going to get a win this 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 summer or this winter. But um, Anderson, I think he bounces back. I think he has a much more solid. Uh, his season will not be defined like Anaheim one, much like it wasn't this last year prior in 2022, where he found himself on the ground. Um, but I will say this, uh, Dylan Ferrandez is if he's able to get his starts figured out, which it seems like they've gotten better. He's certainly going to be a guy who can at least mix it up with these guys. And you guys have seen in the past, he does not back down when he has some blood in the water. Um, and if he consider considers himself uh, a contender for something damn well, he's going to contend for it. So these guys are going to be a lot closer match than I thought they'd be uh, throughout the season, but I'd still give the, the edge to Anderson throughout the season. And obviously uh, I also, I, I, I seriously think that Anderson uh, can see himself getting a few wins for sure. Well, before we start, you know, suggesting Francis is all of a sudden a, a Michael Lessie on the gate. Let's put into perspective. He got one good start this weekend or last weekend. He got a great start in his heat race, which gave him a second place, which put him on the right. inside of the tunnel jump or the, you know, the of, the, the, of the, the least fair start that Supercross has ever seen ever since they stopped doing those split starts from 06. That was pretty crazy how, how much difference it was. I'd seen some decent ones kind of come from the outside, but they couldn't come across until shit 50 yards. So that section of whoop was done. So they could start coming back into that inside groove. And, you know, who was on that inside half? Dylan Ferrandez. You know where he's got start, still started? Ninth. He was ninth on the first lap. So he yeah. still got a shit start in that main event when he had the best best half to be where he was. He had to have one of his best gate picks he's had in the last three years riding 450s. And he still – he rode phenomenal. Starts are still garbage. Anderson had his worst night of racing. Um, worst I've seen him in a long time, except, you know, a couple of those uh, Husky seasons after his title – when he was still trying to figure some shit out when uh, with that M1 plate. But I don't think there's any question. I, I, I could see Ferrandez get a ninth next week, and I could see Anderson winning. And so, yeah, Anderson over Ferrandez, uh, absolutely. Biggest biggest thing for us is hoping Ferrandez gets through all 17 rounds, and we get to see him go head-to-head in this outdoor title with Jet and, and, Jet and the boys. Um, but for 2023 Supercross, still Jason Anderson, the El Hombre. 
I think that they listened to our show and didn't hear us correctly when we said that we wanted to do a uh, start that was only half the width and they they didn't stack them behind each other instead took up even more floor space <laughs> way wider yeah let's make the start the entire floor yeah i think what they're going to do next time is have each side of the gate on opposite ends of the stadium and then have the middle of the court the middle of the stadium be the first corner they meet in the middle and then head off into one direction or maybe um, in opposite we, directions like the old that started super motocross the old Monster Energy Cup. Yeah, I mean, they've had some crazy starts. I think they should just make them go through the rhythm section heading towards each other and then have to actually go through it. And then they turn and they come back through and meet. I think that would uh, really liven things up. Maybe a gator pit. You know, who knows? <laughs> Let's get wacky. Uh, okay, last one for the versus challenge questions. This one's going straight to me. And it's uh, Cooper Webb versus... Uh, Ken rocks and battle of the X's baby. Um, Cooper Webb, honestly, like hats off to you for a second place finish there. Uh, if you're in fact back, if you are the person that you say you are and you're, uh, you're putting in the rides and the fitness is there and you're feeling better about the bike. Obviously we still haven't seen it in, in full size whoops, but honestly it looked a little better this last weekend than I expected. And Aside from some early laps where he showed some speed, Ken Roxon was about as invisible as they come uh, this last weekend. Uh, I expect him to be right in and around where he was at this last weekend, if not worse. Um, I give it to Cooper Webb every night of the week, and I would have said that prior to Anaheim one. Um, like, I don't expect I don't I don't expect Ken to be able to be um, podium guy or like. Uh, in and around there consistently throughout the year. He didn't show me that this weekend. And if anything, I it was almost solidified it a little bit more that I think he's going to struggle on that machine. He looked good at times, uh, but he never, he at, at no point did he look like Ken Roxon to me. Go ahead, Chex. I'll, I'll wrap this one up. You know, I'm going on this one. So we'll let you have a second with fiddle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll keep it short and sweet because I don't want to steal all your thunder and, and well, I there's going to be thunder. take all the heat, but Mine isn't so much that I'm a big believer in Webb as I was as I was talking about. Mine is more I have not a lot of faith in Ken Roxon. I said multiple times I thought Anaheim one would be the best race of his year. If not, it's always the beginning of the year strong. It's going to fall off. And if the beginning of the year is starting with a fifth and being not really all that relevant, um, I have to give it to Cooper Webb, who already logged a second. And I think he has at least a little bit of fight in him for a while. That'll keep him ahead of Ken Roxon. And at the end of the year, Cooper Webb, without a question in my mind. Debo, let's sound off. Well, let's just first of all talk with about Ken. Great job with the fifth place. Great job to Heb. Great job to his, uh, our friend Travis Sewell's his mechanic. I think they did fantastic. I think that that is what we're going to expect, is him to be around fifth. And I caught a bunch of shit because I said, oh, he's not going to get top five. Oh, come on, man. Let's be honest. We The fifth was definitely possible. But people are saying, wow, he got a fifth. Look how great he did. I think if he was on that Honda he rode at Paris, he could have won this main event. He was a different rider. He looked stiff on the Suzuki. He struggled in the corners with the ruts. He struggled through the rhythm section, jumping deep into the valleys. He did just, it looked, the bike looked how I felt last time I rode an RMZ 450. Our friend Nick Delogers, I rode it out at the winter set a couple times. The bike just feels heavy when I rode it and the way, and I'm just an old slow guy, but I can feel the difference in the weight transfer, the way the bike kind of would feel. And that's the way it looked like Ken was riding the bike. 
Uh, it had great power. He got great starts. There was even a, an early motion there, a moment there in the, in the 40 main where he passed Eli and fantastic. But he slowly worked his way back. He was out of the top five. He got a top five, thankfully to, uh, you know, and a blessing because Malcolm went down, missed a ship, hit a neutral, or Ken would have been a sixth. And I don't think that he's going to all of a sudden improve suddenly. The bike is still going to be uh, a bike that was remodeled in 2018. Hats off to the team. Hats off to him. I just think that this is not a doubt anything else other than the bike is older. And that's just the way it is. And Webb, he'd had a garbage year last year as far as he was concerned. And even his fan base and even the media thought so. Ken, or Cooper still ran podium and top fives for a lot of rounds other than a few mistakes he made. You know, one of those being Detroit where he thought that was a triple. and was a double into the rim section. End of the year, Cooper Webb uh, over the top of Ken Roxon when it comes to the points. Not even close. I'm just looking at the 2018 uh, RMZ uh, owner's manual here, and it does have reverse. Um, <laughs> and uh, and Ken Roxon was able to find that. So uh, that's rather handy. Uh, but uh, that's one way of getting uh, the team's first top five. Good for them. <laughs> I take it that you're taking Cooper Webb. Yes. All right. Well, before we move on to the next uh, segment, I just was looking in chat and Mark Taylor wants to know, does Colt Nichols get a win this year? Do either of you guys think Colt Nichols has a chance at a win? I wouldn't even probably put him on a podium, honestly. Uh, I don't like age hey, th- Thanks. First of all, thanks for subscribing, Mark. Uh, but I don't see Colt getting a win. I, I could see Colt getting a podium. Uh, late season podium if he's there uh honestly like he, he's a guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries i don't want to put any bad juju on him but uh if there's anyone who's who who might not make it through the entire season it might like likely be uh colt nichols but uh, uh i don't see a win coming from colt this year i like i do have him picked as the rookie of the year but uh um i don't see a win coming from him uh some top fives for sure uh, maybe even a podium, but uh, no wins for Colt in 2023, in my opinion. But uh, love the guy. What do you think, uh, Debo? Yeah, I mean, we've seen rookies win races in their first, you know, uh, first season, first race. You know, Josh Grant, Anaheim. But end of the day, Josh Grant is bla- had blazing raw speed. Colt, I don't see being. He doesn't have that that flip a switch, go fast. At least we haven't seen it. Obviously, he's only seen one round. He could show it up here quickly in the 4VD class, but it is really deep. There's going to be – it would have to take a lot of a, tr- uh, a pretty gnarly first turn crash and some other wrecks for Colt to get a win. Nothing wrong with that. It's his rookie year. He's not. He wasn't brought on to Honda to win a main event. Him not even be, running a podium would not be bad. Colt running consistently 5th through 10 every round for 17 rounds, I think, is, is it would be a huge success. I do not see a win in the near future for Colt on the uh, factory Honda in the 450 class as of yet. No. But thank Fair you for enough. Asking. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the question. Uh, let's move on to segment number four. And this is the debate with Debo, which honestly, this whole show should be called debate with Debo um, because there are some questions that are usually posed to him where both me and checkers both disagree with Debo, but that's kind of half the point um we need to have some differing opinions in here and uh you'll get differing opinions when you invite denny stevenson but so this is the question uh do you like mud races are they good for the sport are they bad for the sport and uh if in what circumstances should a race be postponed we've kind of touched on that already but i'd like to have you elaborate on that a little bit more 
Um, you know, I, I believe I've raced one of the worst mud races. It wasn't even a mud race. You know, talking about a flat a track being swamped, as we would have saw this weekend in Oakland. Uh, I raced in 1981 or 1991 Hangtown. Yeah. But they only raced one set of motos. And it was unbelievable. Talk about a race that needed jet skis. It was, there wasn't really mud. People we were talking about it in, uh, in my Moto Extreme 360 group on Facebook. People were talking about how muddy was it? Like, did you come off the track muddy? The bikes had to weigh a ton. I think I, the bike and myself came off the track cleaner than I went on the track. I mean, it was just pure water. It was racing in a river. And those type of conditions and outdoors, that's part of what outdoors is. It is muddy. It is uh, it all kind of extreme conditions. We saw the Troll Ohio National get canceled twice in one year, which actually ended up uh, affecting the championship between Grant Langston and Ryan Hughes. So we've seen races being canceled within the last, what, 20 years or so. Um, as far as the Supercross, I think we spoke earlier about it as well. When the track's built, They've got in some practice. They're able to ride some. There's a little bit of racing, and then it, all hell breaks loose. The rains come down. The fans have already had an experience on the uh, in the pits. The riders already had a little chance to ride. We've had some racing going on, but uh, this weekend, I think there was much more going on in the state of California, especially up in Oakland, San Francisco area. We hadn't stopped raining for the past two weeks. Two hundred thousand people had our homes without power in the state of California. For me personally, I think this was a smart decision. As Checkers said also, I'd much rather watch these guys race on a track, a real track. Supercross was never meant to be the Blackwater 100 again. <laughs> so I believe that postponing was the right thing. And I'm looking forward to February 18th when they get back to Oakland on a dry track. So uh, let's enjoy this weekend off. And uh, as we're going to lead into, enjoy some arena cross. Who would have thought we'd be talking about that stuff? Oh, we're going to talk about some arena cross. Checkers, uh, like, this is... This is unprecedented. We've never had an opportunity like this where uh, a super, first of all, a supercross has never been canceled midweek or at all. Like we've never, this has literally never happened unprecedented for the sport of motocross or supercross. And the fact that in just a six hour drive away, in fact, a closer, this arena cross is closer to the home base for most of these supercross guys than Oakland is. And with, the AMA Arena Cross guys putting some more money in the purse that it was already going to entice some guys to come over, but this is going to double down that point, and you're going to have a ton of guys coming over there. And uh, I know you have a, lot, a little bit more information than I do about as far as how you can watch this series and the ins and outs of it, because uh, I, I don't have the uh, the the Map TV app or however however you watch. You can kind of clue us in a little bit here, but Arena Cross is maybe going to be as hotly contested as ever rolling into this weekend friday 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 it's arena cross in arizona kid seats just five bucks you're gonna pay for the whole seat but you're only gonna need the edge of it tune on in <laughs> can you tell i'm a little excited um uh, back yes, to the roots of arena cross it's always a super exciting show um and and honestly i've been watching them anyways and the battling's been pretty good between um isaiah clark giving kyle peters a bit of a run Kyle, Kyle Bitterman was second in the series last year, was pretty talented, but really it's been, you know, those three guys since they went West um, on the East, they had uh, Luke Neese in the mix and some other guys. Um, Hunter Yoder actually showed up to the first race along with Josiah Natsuki on the PRMX bikes. So, I mean, they've had some talent in, but this is going to be unprecedented since, I mean, back in the early 2000s, this amount of talent that's going to be on the gate. Um, the series bumped the main event win, which I think was 1500 bucks before up to 2,500 bucks per main event. So if you sweep both mains, you're putting five grand in your pocket. 
along with, you know, any contingency and stuff like that being an AMA series, they have contingency um, and we get live racing. So although we don't get Supercross on Saturday, we get arena cross on Friday night. If you have Mav TV, it's um, 830 central time, I believe 630 on the West coast on uh, Mav TV, or you can go on get the ride TV app, which if you watch Canadian motocross or if you watch Enduro cross, you already have the app. Um, all the oh, arena then I will be watching. There. And honestly, that app is, I know when I mentioned it, people are like, oh, no, another Mav TV app. I've watched a bunch of stuff on it, Enduro Crosses, Canadian Nationals, as well as the Arena Crosses. It's one of the better apps that I've actually worked with. You can actually pause it during the races, believe it or not, um, which is if you watch Peacock and never try to pause it, it doesn't, you can't. Um, so that's Doesn't pretty work. cool. I mean, I do think that we're going to be stress testing the servers for them a little bit. But holy crap. I mean, the tracks they've been building have been gnarly real arena crosses. I just I saw pictures of the whoops and they're they're big boy arena cross whoops. Um, I think it's going to be a bunch of action. Um, I think that some supercross guys that maybe haven't spent much time in arena cross are going to find out that they maybe don't know much about Isaiah Clark, but he's pretty dang good at what he does. And Kyle Peters is an absolute specialist with a whole lot of experience. Uh, I don't think that there's a guarantee that any of those guys come in and, and walk all over them. Um, I heard the solitaires bringing Thurry up and I hope Cole Thompson shows up. I saw Wageman brothers are both going. Cade Clayson's in Jerry Robin. I mean, there's a host of some, some bad dudes that were in main events. Grant Harlan straight out of the 450 main at a one is heading up. Um, racers race and i love seeing those guys i'm glad that they're not sitting at home on their couch and they are lining up to put some cash in their pockets and give us some dang entertainment i agree checkers and you know me and you love arena cross uh we've been around a lot a lot in our lives you know that was how i wrapped up my entire career was racing arena cross and my kid arena cross when the ship got crazy was real um real aggressive great fan base two nights a week uh, Friday, Saturday night, four main events over the weekend. One year, I think we had 19 weekends. We had, what, 72 main events we raced over the season. It was an early series. And what made it great back then is we started it back in October. So all eyes were on us between for three or four rounds until they took the break uh, for Thanksgiving and the holidays. And we'd kick it back off during around the opening round of Supercross. But for that first month, all eyes were on, Super, on Arena Cross. It was fantastic. And we've had a few opportunities that I think when they ran on a Friday night before uh, the Las Vegas Supercross, they did had all eyes on them. And then also in Atlanta the year that they split the Supercross track. So great opportunity for the series. Um, our friend Robbie McCurry from Oklahoma, someone I raced with Arena Cross, has now taken over the kicker Arena Cross series with, with his partner, which I'm not sure the name of him, but they're looking to bring it back. I didn't even know he had taken over until I ran into him at Loretta Lynn's. They have their own awning and tent. And they're looking to bring it back, to bring it back to relevancy. They want to bring back the teams uh, and bring it back to, into something that the Feld tried to make it, you know, Supercross a little brother, which Arena Cross is not. Arena Cross stands alone. We uh, we we were always come one, come all. We can take you down in the bullring. And I think we did many times with a lot of Supercross regulars. So I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm happy that guys like Clayson and Harlan and uh, Solitaire team, those guys are going to make the effort and make the drive over because this series deserves it. I think, again, racers are racers. Let's go make some money and let, uh, let's put on a great show for us at home. And again, Mav TV, which is, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I just happen to stumble across it. If you have a Samsung television, a Samsung smart TV, there's something called Samsung TV in the input section. And you can get Mav TV through your Samsung television if you have cable already, or even if you don't, I don't know it's just off. It's separate of cable. It's called Samsung TV. And I stumbled upon it the other day. 
And uh, I'll be watching Friday night. I'm looking forward. The whoops are huge. Uh, I think there's going to be 50 guys trying to qualify for about 15, 12 spots in the main event. It should be great. And uh, hats off to everybody, the locals. Uh, not the local, but the regulars like Kyle Peters, uh, Isaiah Clark, Kyle Bitterman, um, and all the guys who are coming in from Supercross. It should be a great night. I like it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. Honestly, my, my only like sort of question coming into this is uh and, and maybe you can uh can answer this for me denny is like when you were racing arena cross and you were sort of a stalwart within the series is would it have like kind of bugged you or rubbed you the wrong way when you're an arena cross guy and you see a bunch of supercross guys just sort of show up or the the odd supercross guys show up like are they welcome are they welcomed with open arms i wouldn't imagine so uh because arena cross is obviously obviously a little bit more rough and tumble racing than you'll find at your local outdoor or supercross um and yeah there, there's going to be some guys like there's a, a number of guys that are going to be trying to make it in this main event i don't think they're going to uh kind of upset the apple cart for the top three um and, and and kind of piss off guys like Isaiah Clark and uh, Kyle Bitterman. Um, I think honestly, I think Kyle Peters still just trounces everybody. But um, there might be some guys uh, not so welcoming to these newcomers. Well, you know, when we raced, um, we Budman and I obviously come on. A lot of the guys had come from Supercross previously. Mike Jones, uh, Jeremy Buell, guys like that. You know, so we were used to racing a lot of the guys. And and Mitch would send his PC guys over. He'd send Nick Way over. He'd send Nathan Ramsey. Um, okay. you know, so we, for us, it was just, we knew those guys, we were still around that, that sport quite a bit, supercross motocross knew all those guys when they come in and we would kind of just smile and go, you guys are going to go home awfully bummed out. You're going to be really bummed that you came and did this because we were considered kind of the old guys. We had, uh, outgrown or uh, kind of outgrown our, our rides and our place in supercross and, and arena cross was the place we found success and a new home and, uh, and a fan base. And it was outstanding for us. And we were not afraid to, to welcome people, new riders in, you know, Supercross guys. We'd let them know right away in practice. Um, Jason Thomas never lets me forget that he came to Jacksonville one year to ride, and uh, he said I knocked him down in practice for no for no apparent reason, and uh, I don't even remember it because it was just it just that's the way we felt that this was our home. We had learned how to ride 17 to 20 second lap times, four lanes, four turns, a section of whoops, a rhythm section, a finish line catapult, and a start straight. This was our world, and we were not afraid to mix it up with anybody. My my old saying with the dash for cash, it was four laps. Come one, come all. I, I didn't care if you, if you were Carmichael or McGrath. I could beat you in four, four laps. It was two minutes long. No problem in my mind. So for these guys, and, and uh, I hope that the Super Arena Cross guys uh, make their presence known. There are some great guys coming in. Like you said, Grant Harlan, who got a 16th in the 4th main last, uh, last weekend. I talked to Grant a little bit earlier tonight. He's a little concerned on bringing the 450 in. It's going to be a big bike in those t- small tracks, but he's looking forward to getting a good start. And and if the whoops are big, and uh, and which I sent him an image, the whoops are gigantic. So I'm looking forward to it. I think Kyle Peters, you know, he's been racing Supercross pretty regularly. Isaiah Clark had a good finish, uh, I believe, last season, end of the year. And um, oh, in outdoors, I know he did. I think they'll look forward to the challenge. Anytime you can mix it up with some re- cross guys or Supercross guys, put the two together. It's going to be a great show, and I, I think everybody will just be happy to uh, for the money, the extra purse in it, and uh, and to make make their mark. It's going to be a big night. I hope people are watching. Checkers, you're just uh, you're beaming right now. Checkers is just like vibrating in his chair. The, the arena cross has injected talent, and more eyes are going to be on this series than maybe ever rolling into this weekend. I mean, I'm all about action and excitement, and arena cross is pretty much like an LCQ every time that they line up. And especially with the format that they went with this year, which 
it hasn't been all that entertaining when the depth really hasn't been there because they run four heat races, but they only take the top two out of them. So it's like an LCQ every time, but it only works when you have this much talent. So it's going to be awesome because they're going to be battling for transfer spots every single time on the track. And I think that's going to be a little bit of a shocker for Cade Clayson because he's been riding the 450 Supercross class for quite some time now, which is kind of mellow and mature. And guys, unless you have Alex Ray behind you, they're not dive bombing you in every corner trying to rip your leg off. Um, so I think that might be a little bit of, uh, an adaptation for him because there's no rest and there's always someone trying to saw your front wheel in arena cross. Cause there's just, you're, you're, you know, there might be guys coming on head on there's tough blocks everywhere. Um, but I, I also don't want to understate the fact that Grant Harlan's been racing. He he's been a racer and he's been racing everywhere, including some arena cross stuff. I don't think the 450 is a problem. I've ridden a 450 in arena cross a good bit. Um, it, it takes a little bit to turn it but it's such an advantage on the start and in the whoops that it's, it's not a bad deal. Um, I don't think it's a massive advantage on the starts because they're so hard pack and so short and you have to manage keeping the front end down. But as long as you're a good starter, it is an advantage. Um, those guys also have been starting on greats and practicing on greats versus the arena cross guys starting on dirt. That's something to factor in. Um, and Kyle Peters is a very, very good starter, no matter where he's at on a 250, you can maximize the power on, um, I think Peters is going to be really, really hard to beat. I think Clayson, it might get a little bit of a wake up call. <laughs> he might leave saying I'm never racing in arena cross again. Um, although he's very talented. So maybe some of that will shine through, but watch out for Grant Harlan. I think that he'll be good. Robbie Wageman's really good in the whoops and those Suzuki's have proven to be really good starting bikes. Um, they also seem to turn really well. I mean, they're notorious for being pretty good in arena cross because they corner so dang well, and that's never really changed. So, I don't know. It's going to be super exciting. I'm glad it gives us something. I mean, I was going to watch the Arena Cross Friday anyways, but it makes it way cooler with way more people. Um, I just hope that those guys get the full Arena Cross experience that haven't done many of them. And there's some bar banging. There's some smashing. um, There's some good racing and utter chaos. Maybe some fights in the pits. You know, all the fun stuff. I hope some feelings are hurt. Let's just put it that way, you know. But uh, again, one last thing I'd like to say is, is hats off to these Supercross guys who are making the trip over. I mean, uh, we've always talked about checkers and, and recently with Brad, racers race, as that's what it's all about. You go where you sure. need to go. If you need to make money, this is the place to go give a shot at it, man. And if it doesn't work out for you, no shame in that game. That's what I say. I think just the fact that these guys are showing up, going to some other uh, some other series, great job. Hats off to every single Supercross rider who's making this drive over. I'm, I'm very happy for you. And I look forward to uh, watching it Friday night as well. Is there anything VIP tickets? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, is there anything to learn for bike setup or anything, or is it so much different that you don't think that it'll translate at all um, to help out for Supercross, or even is just getting some nerves out, dropping the gate or anything? Do you see any advantage with any of that, Denny? Um, the bike setups are completely, considerably different. Uh, I spoke with Grant, like I said earlier. He said he felt his bike was a little soft at A one, and so he was going to keep that same setup for arena cross thinking that the soft setup on the 450 would help him get to the whoops and help it settle down in those bowl corners. Like you talked about, because when you're talking, you're turning around a barrel. I mean, they're tight corners, which is honestly a little bit what we saw in world supercross, some really tight 180 corners around cardboard boxes in that series where this one will have no longer. I don't think the orange barrels that we used to have in it, but uh, it's still a very tight corner, very tight track. Um, so I think that the biggest thing is that it, nothing really translates other than just coming in and knowing how to just ride anything at any time. And, um, you know, that's, again, the Supercross guys are coming into a series. 
in a type of track that they're not used to running. These guys have already been putting in a lot of laps and a lot of main events. And uh, I think the regulars will have an advantage in that point. But Supercross riders are, are great. And let's be honest, Clark, Peters, Bitterman, they're all good riders, period. So $60 gets you a VIP adult pass. General admission for adults, 33 bucks. You want to sit in the low sheets, that'll sit you back $38. And I really like the layout. Uh, there's there's actually kind of like the two layouts are sort of um, contradictory to each other. Uh, one on the website looks like it's going straight up the middle and then uh, back down towards the, like down through a rhythm section over some whoops. And then the finish line is by the stands. And then they have a, they have a, a, a visual rendering where the the start is straight up the middle, then straight into a set of whoops, back down the start straight away over the, the catapult through a rhythm section, and then back around the, uh, the backside of the, uh, and joining where the first corner is Debo. Do you have a favorite layout for arena cross? Is there any preferred way, uh, that you can lay out an arena cross track? It's pretty limited as what as far as what you can do, but I'm curious as to if you had a favorite style of layout. You know, it's really, uh, it's pretty basic. You know, I mean, these arenas are, you don't realize how small they are when you're actually there riding, at least when you've done it for as, you know, as many races that I had done in the past until you watch it on TV. I pulled out some old races, checkers. I've talked about it on a text thread and it looks like we're racing in a, in a closet. I mean, it is so freaking small. Um, we actually watched, I pulled up some old uh, uh, British arena cross races and they have gotten a little fancy with their tracks, their layouts. Uh, start alignments, everything else. You know, the old Mike kid arena crosses when we'd run in basketball arenas, hockey arenas, they were all pretty much the same. You know, the start was on the right, uh, first turn sweeper to the left, into a section of whoops, into a tight left hander, over through a rhythm section, which might be um, a, a triple double, a double triple. And then you would turn right and then go up over the catapult into a tight left and back down the start straight. The they might change that variance round by putting uh, the rhythm section on one side, the catapult on the other side. The track they're actually going to next weekend for uh, AMA Arena Cross for the next two Fridays will be in Guthrie Arena or Guthrie, Oklahoma, uh, the, the Lazy E, where their track, that is a huge rodeo arena. So that track is gigantic. Uh, the floor is gigantic. At least it's more arena cross, more super cross style. Um, not quite as big. But they used to build some huge monster jumps, huge monstrous rhythm sections. The ground is, is dirt because obviously it's a rodeo arena. So they're able to dig into it. The whoops were gigantic. Um, so that was one of the, the more extreme type of tracks we'd ever ridden. Uh, as far as arena cross, the track layout was about 30, 45 second long compared to normal arena cross. But I think anything else, anything small in that, you're going to get pretty much the basic type. Four lanes, 17 to 20 seconds. Lay it down. The only difference is the, is the dirt. You know, depending on what city we went to, we raced in Long Island one year uh, with Islanders play and during the winter and the dirt they brought in was frozen. It came in in chunks, it was not covered. It came in frozen in chunks and the track as the weekend progressed Friday and Saturday, Melted. the track, the dirt started thawing out. And you can imagine when the dirt starts thawing out in uh, on a tiny little track like that, it became treacherous. Albuquerque one year, they brought in sand. So the track completely just broke down as we were racing. That was one of the most enjoyable type tracks. Again, the layout's usually the same. It just depends on the dirt composition, which uh, which can be challenging, whether it be sticky, wet, dry, slippery, or even sand. Yeah, speaking of racers race, if I'm an East Coast Supercross guy, you know, they're not far from their opener. 
and that Guthrie track is it's big. It's it actually would apply as a really good warm up for Supercross just to get gate drops and get some of those butterflies and nerves out. So we're talking about this weekend, but maybe looking forward, that should be something that they should be looking at. I mean, you mentioned Nick Way; he used to do it all the time. I remember seeing him show up at the Des Moines Arena Cross. I remember seeing like Heath Voss come through, and they were using it as Supercross warm ups and a way to put cash in their pocket. Um, yeah, you get good stories from when those guys would show up and race. Heath Voss was a great rider, obviously fast supercross. He was big. Um, I remember, uh, you know, Des Moines Arena Cross, obviously Robbie Floyd is, uh, was a dash for cash master. He could get money, uh, out of a, out of a dry stone, out of a man begging for cash. That guy would cash, hand him all of his money. Uh, it would usually get to a thousand dollars for a four lap race. And I remember, uh, Heath Voss had, I landed over the catapult and he just went a little bit wide and I just went straight, straight through him and took him down and took the win. And Robbie Floyd and I were always friends and uh, the crowd was half cheering, half booing. And he asked me, you know, how'd that go, Danny? That was a pretty aggressive move. I said, well, let's just say one thing. Keith Voss was a screen door and I just kicked him right there, kicked, walked right through it or something like that. And, uh, I, you know, I read across for me was, uh, as take, it was kill or be killed in a sense. And I learned that from riding with Mike Jones. Anyone knows mad Mike Jones and how we race in supercross. Well, imagine that on a 17, in, a 17 second track. And uh, I remember one year at Des Moines, or one of the reacrosses, uh, Jones, it, it was hard to move. He was a big, solid guy, good, solid 250 pounds. And I went as hard as I could with my tough Honda 250, took out the orange cone, and uh, not cone, orange barrel that's in the corner, took the barrel and Jones, what I thought was going to take him out. I hit Jones so hard, I just fell down. I just bounced rigorously off of him. And Jones just rode off. Kind of even, I think he probably stopped at the corner and looked back at me and flipped me off or something like that. But that was a ring across back then. And so um, that's just the craziness of, of those guys coming in and doing anything. Uh, I remember talking with Ivan Tedesco at the Millville National, and he was actually quite, quite cool with what he was saying. He brought up the fact that his first arena cross was, was Reno. And at a the Reno time, cross. Was, Reno cross. Well, it was actually, yeah, it was arena cross, but it was part of the series. And he showed up and he, as he remembered it, that apparently me and Bud were trying to get him drunk Friday night before the race, which <laughs> I don't remember that, but if I even remembered it that way, more power to him. But the kind words he, I remember him telling me, he was like, you know, I, I wanted to get into racing. I was into racing. Everything was really cool. But when I saw arena cross, he goes, I, what I saw on TV and Supercross really bored me. He said, there wasn't a lot of personality at the time. Um, maybe this had to be in like 2001, 2002 area or maybe 2000. And he said, I came to arena cross, you and Budman were like larger than life to me. He said, arena cross was fun. It was action packed. You guys got to do whatever the hell you wanted. You're full of personality. And he goes, and that's what made, that's what made me want to be a bigger racer is, is, and to behave, not behave like that, but have more flair and more style to the way I race. And, uh, I was taken aback because I'm a big Ivan Tedesco fan. And uh, for him to say that to, about myself and, and Budman and just this series alone shows a lot. I think it was really cool to hear the impact that the Mike Kidd Arena Cross series had a lot on, on, on younger riders. So that's uh that was pretty cool. So I'm hoping that the, this new series is it's the same series, but the new improved kicker Arena Cross series has that same influence on riders where riders can come in, show a bit more personality, show a bit more aggression and, uh, and leave with some money in their pockets and, and the fans go home with a great entertainment and a great show. Yeah. If you watch Matt Burkeen's latest video, it's a, uh, it's definitely a commercial for Arena Cross and, chaos and action and if you haven't already it'll get you fired up for tomorrow night it is um a video shot from the stands with an iphone from colorado but i promise it's worth every second of watching it 
And it is it is literally a 20-minute highlight reel of Arena Cross Chaos. And that's just what he caught on camera. That was one night. In one night. One night, yeah. And now not, we're not gonna a throw series, in, not a season full. Yeah. Well, that was one evening. And now we're gonna throw in Jerry Robin, who's always exciting, and just say, Hey, buddy, top two to the main. Let's go arena cross and along with a bunch of other fast supercross guys, too. Uh yes, I'm beaming ear to ear. I am I'm so excited. Um much more, much more excited than I am to talk about our draft scores. <laughs> oh, I'm excited about this. Denny, can you please bring up the the draft scores from Anaheim one? Can you can you can you update the fans on uh how that's well, going? Yeah, well, we uh we went to the draft set uh kind of last <laughs> last episode live. Uh we each drafted four four fifty riders, three two fifty west riders, and three two fifty east riders. And then we would accumulate the scores over this first round, eight rounds, and then we'll redraft once that's gone. With Anaheim in the books, it is old Brad out front with 122 points, who was led by Chase Sexton with a third, Ken Roxon with a, a fifth, Nichols with a sixth, Jet Lawrence obviously was a 26-point perfect day, and Levi Kitchen and uh, Stylus Robinson. So he was going all-star right below that for a nice 122 points. Myself, I find myself in second with 108 points. But my biggest problem was I had one Pierce Brown who went down early, did not get a chance to ride the main event. I had a donut, but I was led by Eli Tomac and Cameron McAdoo with the first and the third there. And trailing back in third with 96 lowly points, already 26 points down, an entire main event down to already Brad, is our lowly Chris Riesenberg checkers with who – who had a very terrible night and let's just cover that he had well, let's just start Ford. with the guy that Austin. only made it halfway down the start austin forkner because yeah. now i have to replace him but i'm replacing from the bottom of barrel in a not very deep 250 west class and then everything's looking pretty decent in the 450 class till malcolm stewart decides to go tumbling across the <laughs> ground so i got double whammied on those guys i mean those were Two of my top three draft picks are cartwheeled, cartwheeling across the racetrack. And things are rough. At least Malcolm's okay. Yes. You were led by RJ Hampshire with his strong second, uh, Mitchell Oldenburg with a very strong fourth and uh, Dylan Frandis with a surprising fourth as well. Those are your top guys. Jason Anderson, who uh, we thought might win the thing was your number one pick and Marvin Muskin, who we thought would be running top five. He had a miserable night and ended up 12th. So Checkers has some great rides. Riders are capable, but they did not live up to the hype. And we will look to be, he'll be looking forward to, we, we, we can replace a rider if they get injured. That's the only way you can kind of hit the waiver wire. So Checkers is going to have to replace Austin Fortner with someone on the list that we did not draft in the first, uh, our first round there. So uh, we are happy to move on to round two here in a couple of weeks. Brad, 122, myself, 108, and Checkers and a lowly 96. <laughs> Uh, I I'd like to think that I've I've uh, really established myself here, but I heard I heard that there's a bit of a redraft after round eight, which basically just brings everything back down to uh, is going to probably bring me back back down to earth. But uh, for now, I I am happy to be on top of the heap. Oh, but it can get better with Moto Extreme, right? Do you guys happen to have your score? It can only get better with Motor X Motocross Extreme. It, it did only get better. My my night was horrible. I uh, I end up with 84, 84th in the, out of a, uh, out of the group, 
Um, I did not do as bad as you two, though. You guys were really not. I'm well. 162 overall. I'm the worst. Uh, no, I, yeah, you might. Yeah, I yeah, think I looked that up. Um, yeah, let's check that out real quick. Yeah, you were you were out honestly. 162nd, yes, with 98 points. Not a good night, but it was your first time playing, and I would like to say that it is not an easy game. This salary base is uh, is is challenging. You got to figure out if you want to go real heavy and then go real cheap, or do you want to go with kind of happy medium? And the first round, we had some crazy guys being hot. We had Max Bowen hot. So if you didn't take Max, he was a big points getter. Uh, Aaron Plessinger was worth a lot of points. And so was Joey Savacci. They all hit the top 10 in the, uh, to, to be worth, uh, you know, the, the bonus 10 points. In the 250 class, I believe it was Derek Kelly in 10th. was the only other hot rider to make the top 10. Dylan Walsh was just on a cusp in 11th. So he did not get that 10 point bonus. And then checkers, he did not have Casual a really moto fan in the top 40. Yeah. Checkers went 106. So it was a rough night to kick things off for all three of us. We did not do well. And um, we'll be looking forward to, I, I I've got the new salaries kind of posted for this weekend, obviously. Um, but I will not be releasing them until next week when we got the final um, <clears throat> final entry list ready for round two, which will now be San Diego. So We'll yeah, keep unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, my Moto Extreme 450 squad looks a lot like my draft team with uh, Cade Clayson, who cartwheeled on the start, Marvin Muskan, who had a terrible night, and Jason Anderson, who cartwheeled in practice, not doing well. So three of those guys were also kind of, or a couple of those guys were on my draft team and sunk it as well. Savachi was yeah, really yeah. the only highlight of my night. Dylan Walsh that's hitting would have been great. That's the worst thing you do is when you... Uh, I did that in my, well, another, but when you can, when you try and make, you know, if you're in multiple draft leagues, multiple draft games, and you decide to pick the same one for all those, because then basically when one team sucks, they all suck. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, no kidding. Out of Survivor. Yeah. Check. Well. So are, are you 130, 148? I was 106th place. 106th. Why do I have, it's, uh, Oh, that's 450 series. Ah, okay. Now I see where I'm going wrong. There's the overall. There's the 250. Okay, that's so that makes sense. Not surprised to see that Roto uh, is good at this game. We got sixth Roto, in Roto 250 in West. First, yeah, well, very first game we played. Um, it was actually our second one. We did a, a, a 90s uh, throwback. We threw did a retro round. It was kind of during COVID when a not lot not yep. lot was going on. We did a, a retro game, and then Roto actually pulled the win off on that one. But wow. since then, he's, he's been, become a trader. He's gone to the other side. He's gone to the dark side <laughs> of, uh, of the pulp. But uh, Roto does a great job with all he does. And, um, yeah, he's, he's got a win in here. He plays pretty consistently. He doesn't play any of our uh, high roller leagues, but uh, he's, he plays consistently. We always appreciate him, uh, him sticking, along, sticking with the game. Well, like I said, okay. if you guys want to catch up to me, myself and Brad especially, we're, we don't have much of a head start. MotoExtreme360.com, yeah. sign Do up. Do it. Get a chance to win the king's gear. Twelve bucks, like you could literally yeah. win the king's gear for twelve bucks. Yeah, and it's a good chance. You know, it's. I mean, we're still building our, our fan base and our player base, so um, the odds are, aren't aren't terribly bad. You could obviously, like you said, go home and with that set of gear, or at least receive it. Um, random drawing come uh, the Sunday after Salt Lake City, and you could have uh, the autographed king's gear. I talked to him the other day, and he was pumped about doing it. So we are happy to have Jeremy McGrath. He's there, donated some gear in the past and uh, always a good friend of the series. 
yeah, I mean, for sure. And like it, so in the meantime, like that, the money that's that's put towards that is that just part of like a Ponzi scheme that you're running, or is that uh, going into like a high interest index fund that we're not aware of? Uh, it pretty much helps pay for the game and for the <laughs> for enforce shipping prizes and buying trophies. Yeah, no, I get you. Else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely. It's going into crypto. <laughs> nice. All right. So lost then. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there's nowhere else that you can go and flush $3.5 million down the toilet every week unless you play Moto Extreme as terribly as I do. Yeah, absolutely. So feel free to play. It's again, it's a different type of game. The salary base changes every week. The Hot Riders will change uh, throughout the series as well. And uh, <coughs> yeah, it's a challenge. It's, you know, and, and the, the most knowledge thing I think about playing Moto Extreme 360 is the fact you can't just change one rider out. Like when so you find out a rider might be happening, you can't just swap out one guy because when you change one guy, it changes almost your entire team because you got to find salary somewhere else. And uh, so if, if you feel like changing your rider up with about 10 minutes left in uh, before lockout, I don't advise it. <laughs> okay. So this is actually kind of crazy. So I told you that Roto got sixth in the 250 class, but overall he was 138th, which means he did really shitty in the 450 class. <laughs> Yeah, because we have live scoring throughout the this, this series, throughout the race tonight as well. So you can watch uh, the scoring for the 250 class, and you'll definitely see guys who are running top five take a big win in the 250 class. And you can click That's on their funny. team name and, and see what their team, you know, what their team is. And you yeah. can see that they, you know, that, that for the 250 class, they went Jet, RJ, Cameron, and, uh, you know, and, and, and say Stylus Robertson, which left them for the 450 class of, you know, some of the lower priced guys who, definitely evens out. So I, I used to consider wanting to do a 250 overall and a 40 overall separate from the overall championship game. But then it would uh -huh. be just like, you could just manipulate your team too much, too much. So to make the, to make the team, the game truly work, it's 3.5 million across the board for all eight riders. Um, it's best to try and be as consistent and as even as across the board, because when you load up one, <clears throat> you, you tend to fail on the other, depending on how the hot riders are. The outdoors even gets crazier because we score all four motos that becomes a really big shit show. So um, if you're out there and you're wanting to play mxd360.com for your chance to win a 150 from store storm or 110 from storm Lake Honda with autographed McGrath gear. And don't forget like to it. visit your local race tech dealer. <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah. This, this has been fun. It's about time to go arena crossing. Yeah. I'm looking nice. forward to it guys. One week's time. We're going to go round. We're going to do episode three round two of Supercross. And uh, because of this, technically, I think that means that viewers are going to get 32 events. So we're actually going to have more episodes of this than there are Super Motocross rounds. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a little bit of value added. Glad we were able to get this in. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you boys for uh, for making some time for this. This is a lot of fun. Fantastic, gentlemen. Thank you for watching. And you guys have a great weekend. Perfect. Well, there you have it. This episode for January 12th, leading into what would have been the Oakland Supercross, but we didn't quite get it. A little bit too soggy in the state of California. Uh, luckily, it'll probably be dry by uh, next weekend, but uh, no races this weekend. I highly recommend that you go ahead and put last year's or a different Oakland Supercross on YouTube uh, this Saturday night. Fool your wife or girlfriend to thinking that you're watching Supercross. That way she'll leave you alone. And um, yeah, you'll be able to enjoy your weekend. Or if you're watching uh, NFL playoffs, or maybe you're a hockey fan, you watch the Winnipeg Jets dismantle whoever they're playing against. 
Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks to the sponsors as well. Luxon MX, Racetech, Epoxyit, WSA. WSA makes amazing wheels. Guts Racing, Fox Racing Canada, and Phoenix Handlebars. Appreciate those sponsors. Help those guys out. They help me out. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>